Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan for all the people asking, oh, looks like we've got the Twitch and the stream back up. We were efforting with that due to some technological difficulties, but the good news in return, we're hopefully going to have Adrian Beltre on. What? Soon. Are you kidding me? I am not. The Hall of Fame third baseman for your Texas Rangers, Adrian Beltre? Hall of Fame elect. Was it Juan? Are you saying he's not a Hall of Famer yet? He hasn't been inducted yet. Wow. I'm just kidding. That's July 21st. (laughs) I'm just kidding. He is a Hall of Famer. Name one thing that would keep him from being, like, he's already been named it, but not, I guess. Maybe did it for press conference. Inducted. I fooled all you idiots and, like, just said all this crazy stuff. That doesn't feel very likely, After Manfred. All right. Let's go ahead and fire off cut number 15 because we talked about this with the NFC. I want to get y'all's take on the AFC besides just going to the Super Bowl. What's at stake in this game? Jackson keeps Stanley in front of him. Touchdown, Lamar. And by the way, no, I do not believe a cow infiltrated the internet, and that's what happened to the stream. I know people are sending that in. They're saying that now in the comments. I do not believe that is what happened. From the 817, cow here. I fixed the internet. You're welcome. And they even spelled it wrong to let us know that they're a cow, hey, not a human. When we have Adrian Beltre on in like the next 10 to 15 minutes, are you going to ask him if he remembers you guys and why I am Nelly I am the not junk? because he's going to be like, and we never got that done. If he well, remembers, should I? He lives in California. Should I ask him about that or is this not the right time? I'll leave that up to your discretion. All right. Now, for the AFC game, I know there's more to it than just this. But it does feel very much like the next step in all-time greatness versus moving into Tier 1 of the quarterbacks. I I know there are other things at play, but is that the primary thing that sticks out to you guys about this game, or is it something else entirely? Yeah, To me, it's the quarterbacks. Uh, I'm very excited to watch this game. I think I can't – in a way, I don't want to say I can't believe the weather I did – think helped out the Kansas City side against Miami. If that would have just, let's say, been in an indoor stadium, I think that could have been a tough one for Kansas City. And then I thought they were going to go to Buffalo and lose because I have just saw Kansas City play the majority of their games this year and just didn't think they had the people to do it. Yet, they've done it. They've made it to the AFC Championship game for the sixth straight year. So I, I feel like Lamar has the better team. Lamar's had a better season. But it's Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. The the those two stories are definitely like Mahomes maintaining his status and Lamar Jackson finally like does he again I told you the other day he wins he wins the Super Bowl Kevin he'll still be well can he do it again consistent I mean he had the best team you I mean, know Bobby already out said ways. this morning it wouldn't change his yeah it, it'll figure out ways but when it comes to 
when it comes to the next storyline beyond that, it's about the defenses and how they, they handle those quarterbacks. So even in the second storyline, it's still about the quarterbacks for these two. Uh, that's definitely where, where it is. And that's why I think it's, it could be an electric game or maybe a very, very boring game because the defenses are like, no, we got these quarterbacks. But those quarterbacks, neither one of them just roll over. How will you feel about Harbaugh if they win, not just this game, but I guess win it all? Uh, you be like, okay. Man, maybe maybe one of the – Does that make him a Hall of Famer? You put him right there with so. Andy Reid, right? And I guess it feels like you should because they both have multiple Super Bowls. One, two Andy Reid did go to four NFC Championship games in a row. With in the, one quarterback, yeah. With McNabb. That is true. And then this would be – uh, you know, two different quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl with. So yeah, that would I would think differently about Harbaugh. He was able to coach a quarterback that that most of the industry said you couldn't win a Super Bowl with. Now the interesting thing about let's just go with Patrick Mahomes to start this off is I know a lot of people, and I think at the time I fell into that category is once he lost the Super Bowl to Brady, I realized there was a lot more at play with his offensive line and everything that he was probably never going to catch Tom Brady. So this is an interesting comparison through their first seasons, seven seasons. Tom Brady, zero MVPs. Mahomes, two. Playoff record, Tom Brady, 12-2. and two. Mahomes, 13-3. and three. Both had three AFC titles. Both had two Super Bowl wins. Clearly, Mahomes can still add to that. Mahomes has 7,000 more passing yards and 72 more passing touchdowns. So the person who is in the mix or holds all of the passing records just first seven years, Patrick Mahomes has smoked him. Now, I realize one of the keys to Brady is he had like two separate dynasties essentially happen with the same franchise, which is very impressive. But if they can win in what seemed like a down season with a poor class of wide receivers, then I guess I do take another step back at Patrick Mahomes and think, you know what? Maybe he is going to mount the challenge. Uh, is there anything on the other side for Lamar Jackson that makes you go, he has the best group of wide receivers too? No. And so if he was able to do it, like that's even weirder yeah. that he was that he would be able to do something. I don't understand what you're talking about for legacy purposes, sure. but even still, like I think that's a stronger fit for Lamar's uh, legacy in that stance is, dude, he did it with a bunch of guys that you're like, who was the star on that? Well, and the discussion's been, how is Mark Andrews progressing? Will he come back? Maybe his number one target dipped out and the team or Lamar played better. You know, the, yeah. the defense, maybe it's not as reliant on that because their defense has been fantastic. Their run defense has been really stout as well. I remember that week going, gosh, it looked like Lamar could resurrect his yep. name in this league. And then Mark Andrews got hurt, and you're like, well, that kind of ends that for Lamar Jackson. Not that they were going to lose every game, but that there was going to be, to your point, a dip. There was going to be losses. There was going to be we're relying completely on defense, which means you can't give Lamar as much credit. And it didn't happen. Their defense played tremendous, but Lamar kept playing at a very yes. high level, too. Zay Flowers has turned into a, a, a really good target for Agreed. him. And they they found a connection, but even still, five touchdowns. Like that's that's it's not not in that same standard as uh, some of these other guys. Mark Andrews was the guy, uh, especially near the red zone. And that might be an interesting breakdown of all four of these teams remaining. Doesn't it feel like the two quarterbacks on the AFC side are far far more responsible for making their teams go? Yes. Than the two on the NFC side. Absolutely. And so, if Lamar wins, I, look again. I respect Bobby's football knowledge and opinions. I just don't agree with him on this one. 
is I think if they win this game, but certainly if the Ravens win the Super Bowl, you have to put, there's no question, you have to put Lamar Jackson on that top tier of quarterbacks. He will now have two MVPs and a Super Bowl win. I will not understand the knock against him. I mean, I would always have in this era, I won't say always, but I'd still say Mahomes is on a tier by himself. I get that. But then I would say with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and a healthy Joe Burrow, I think there's that tier. If you put Mahomes by himself, I do get that. If you have a multi-person first tier, then if they win, I feel like Lamar has to be on that that list. Yes. Okay. Would you concur with that? Absolutely. If he wins at all. Okay. But it has to it can't just be win Sunday and then loses to San Francisco. Because he, he will get knocked the way that I mean, in a way, he'll get knocked in a way differently, but he'll get knocked the way that we saw Dirt get knocked when he lost to the Miami Heat in 06. Do you think it would make any difference if uh, and I don't think this would happen because their defense is so good, if they lost like thirty seven to thirty five in the A Super little Bowl. bit. Yes. Okay. And, 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 and and like let's put this situation. Thirty seven thirty five. He also drove down the field to go up thirty five thirty uh four. Yeah. And then then Party. his defense gives up the three points and you're like, man, I couldn't do anything else. I tried. Not surprisingly, because some people believe they have the best team is Lamar Jackson open as the favorite to be Super Bowl MVP. of people have bet on him with 32% of the money coming in on him. Something interesting to watch going forward. The two players Vegas does not want to win. Christian McCaffrey for Super Bowl MVP at 6-1. And then this one. Aiden Hutchinson is 125-1 to to be the Super Bowl MVP for the Detroit Lions. So, I don't know... That feels like it might be worth a couple bucks. Like, if you enjoy the Lions, if you think, hey, they might be able to do it. Hutchinson's a damn fine player. Why not? It's 125 to 1. Can I, I want to go back to Lamar Jackson real quick, Kevin. Because I just saw him, I just saw the quote from him about definitely, Mahomes is definitely a Hall of Famer. Oh my God, yeah. Lamar Jackson said he's definitely a Hall of Famer. For sure. I believe it's just two greats. Two up-and-coming greats going toe-to-toe like a heavy heavyweight fight. So, so he's already put himself in the greats category. And I think that but is... But I like the heavyweight fight thing more than anything else. I think that is premature, but I also like that he said Patrick Mahomes is up-and-coming. If he's <laughs> up-and-coming, the rest of this league is screwed forever. Because if he has not even he hasn't arrived yet. Yeah. to how good he's going to be, then I don't know. Like, if Kansas City wins this and then they win the Super Bowl. I'm going to be like, well, good luck, everybody else. <laughs> yeah. He didn't like his wide receivers. It's been problematic. So they still won the Super Bowl. So what are you going to do about it now? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. But you know what? Right now, if we're talking about greatness on the DNM Leasing Hotline, we bring to you just elected to the Hall of Fame. Rangers fans, we love them. So does everybody else. It is Adrian Beltre. Good afternoon, sir. Hello. How are you guys? We're doing great. I got to know, was there in any, you looked really calm and cool when the Baseball Hall of Fame called you. Was there any internal nerves or were you like, nah, man, I got this? Uh, no nerves. You know, I just uh, waiting. Obviously, you're not sure the call's going to come in, but um, once I saw the, uh, you know, the name Cooperstown coming into the cell phone, I, uh, I was relieved because, you know, it's, it's a little awkward in the moment which you just don't know for sure if the call's coming in or not, but just glad it's over. So, and I was glad that, you know, when I saw the call, that it was going to be, I assumed it was going to be then. And, uh, you know, I was just happy that everybody enjoyed, uh, enjoyed it at the moment. And uh, so now I get to kind of sit, sit back and let it all settle in. Did anybody else call you that you had to quickly answer and hang up and be like, call me back later. I'm waiting for an important call. Well, not nobody from outside the house. Really, my daughter, my small, my 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 smaller, my young one, she called uh, the home phone just to make sure that everything was working because we we're kind of sitting there for maybe 15 minutes expecting the call, and uh, everybody thought that, that was going to be the call, and then she said, "No, that was me." So everybody got a little crack out of that. <laughs> I thought for sure watching on MLB Network, Adrian, that Elvis was going to hop up from behind the couch and start rubbing your head. <laughs> you know, it, it didn't, didn't it cross my mind that Elvis might do something like that. But you know, uh, I was I was glad that he stayed he stayed here in Texas and kind of just you know saw it all away in the in MLB. Did he give you a call afterwards? We uh, we were talking before that, and uh, we text. Back and forth because he he probably expected that I was gonna be super busy uh, answering answering uh, calls and and uh, you know doing interviews and all this stuff. So uh, but we actually had a long conversation via text. But uh, you know I'll I'll see him today. Adrian, what is what does it mean to you to be in the Hall of Fame? Is it the recognition of what you did throughout your career or kind of being alongside the other names of the game? What's what's the the meaning? What's the most meaningful part of it for you? You know, to be honest, it hasn't set in yet. Um, but I think for me, it's like being named along those greats of the game that, you know, players that I admire, players that, that they're my idol. And I'm going to have the chance to be in the same podium with those guys. For me, it just says it all. You know, I never expected to be here. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm humble. I'm completely, completely honored to be, uh, be called Hall of Fame and be. Uh, be in the same uh, conversation with, with those greats in the, of, of baseball. Is there anybody in particular in that group, especially when you talk about your idols that maybe you grew up emulating or watching that you specifically think of and be like, wow, me and this person are now going to be in the same hall? I mean, I can go down the list. Mm-hmm. You know, if you talk about Willie Mays, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., you know, I was, I was a huge fan of Pedro Martinez. Uh, I can go down the list guys that I never thought about even be close to it you know? uh, but you know it's, it's just it's just amazing the fact that 
you guys are going to have you know, mention my name <laughs> along those guys. It's, it's really humbling. The, the part also that the Rangers have a World Series to go along with you going into the into the Hall of Fame kind of in the same in the same time period here we are celebrating that what did Texas mean to you in that in that last stretch of your of your career uh, Texas meant a lot to me and my career and my family uh, I think uh, you know they they embraced me when I got here uh, they make me feel comfortable. Uh, the fans, uh, you know, the front office, everybody just so welcoming and grateful. And I'm grateful for them because they uh, it t- they took a, a risk of signing uh, a guy that allegedly was a contract, you know, a player. Um, and, um, you know, the way that he received me, the way that uh, the fans were uh, supporting the team, the, the teammates that I, that I, uh, that I find, that found here, well, everything was just, it just was meant to be, I think. And, uh, you know, obviously the Rangers has a lot to do with with what I'm at right now. I want to take this time to apologize because <laughs> I was one of those media folks who was concerned about you being a contract player when you came here. I'm sorry for being really stupid <laughs> and for being really, really, really wrong about that. I hope you will forgive hey, I don't, me. I don't, I, don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. <laughs> Thank well, you. Adrian, I got to play against you when you are on the Dodgers and I was on the Mets. And I was wondering this. When you are playing for the Rangers, there seemed to be – you're a great player with the Dodgers too, but there seemed to be this freedom that you would have this playful thing with Elvis, or if you got on the bases and you got in a rundown, you might jog into the outfield to get out of the rundown. And I was wondering when that kind of happened in your career. Was it in Seattle? Was it maybe in Boston? I remember it seemed like you and Victor Martinez were, were kind of, he was kind of maybe your Elvis there in Boston. I was wondering when that kind of changed. You know, that, I only had that in me. I only enjoyed the game. But uh, when I came to the big leagues, you know, uh, back in 98, uh, you were rookie for about six, seven years. You know, that's how the league was. And I was always trying to be respectful and not do anything wrong because I understood that I was lucky enough to be in the big leagues. Um, but I, I think everything started when uh, I was in Seattle. I was, I was struggling a lot. And uh, I was not, I was not having fun. I was not enjoying the game, and I just did not enjoy being on the field at that time, because I felt that you know I wasn't doing good, the team wasn't doing good, so I just I, I thought it was all my fault. It probably was. So, anyways, after that, I went through a stretch of being being not happy what I was doing, and uh, I had you know talk, a long talk with my wife and the family, and they they kind of make me wake up and realize that you know it's just a game you know if i go home the next day uh have a family i'll be fine so after that i just say you know what screw it i just want to be myself play the game and play hard and enjoy what i do and i think uh uh that was the main key why i started to have more success because i just played for me and having fun not for the fans and expecting to uh you know answer a, a contract that's supposed to be filled I'm I'm glad you mentioned that part of your personality when you decided to to have fun with the game because my co-host Kevin once uh, while we were at spring training he was supposed to get hit in the junk by Prince Fielder with a wiffle ball bat and you said hey I'll make that happen right now <laughs> well, I got a baseball bat let's do this do does he still need to take that or have we passed that are you gonna let that one go well we still 
had time. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been more scared in my entire life because I go, well, it was complicated. And you looked right at me and said, no, it's not complicated. I'll get a bat right now. And you pulled out an actual bat. And I thought, oh, no, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> the- the other thing, Adrian, we saw while we were at spring training, we got to see some epic moments. One of my favorite moments ever uh, was you were out in the outfield and you were pitching to your son. And he was hitting, I think he was standing near second base, and he was hitting home runs over our heads. And we were just like, oh, my gosh, the, you know, young Beltre has some power there. A, would you mind talking a little bit about like what he's, you know, what he's grown into and what you what you like about that and and those memories, like being able to do that with your kids, must have been an absolute blast. Yes, that was uh, that was my finest moment in, in the game. Just be able to bring my son to the stadium and spend an hour or two before practice just to get him to uh, to enjoy himself. You know, because I always wanted my son to love baseball the way I did, and he does now. Uh, and I, I couldn't wait when he was on vacation from school and he was able to, to come and enjoy. I think that was that was the, the joy of my day that 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 day, um, and that was a great for me to start a day. And uh, after that, you know, he would go shower and go back to the clubhouse, uh, and and I was happy to be at that, you know, for a couple hours because you know, as you know. We didn't get a lot of chance to to get to uh, enjoy our kids. You know, our wife are the, are the ones that kind of raise our kids because we can go. And for me, it was the, those moments were they were, they were priceless. And uh, you know, until today, he remember those times. And uh, you know, he had grew up to uh, follow my lead so so far. He he loves baseball. You know, he uh, he's a pretty much he's a grown man right now. He's 17, but you know, he still remembers those times. How crazy is it to you to think about, you talked about Willie Mays, Pedro Martinez, so many others, that your son and probably thousands of other people have grown up in this sport saying, I want to be like Adrian Beltre. It's, just, it's crazy, you know. Uh, even when I work with my son uh, offensively and defensively, I, I, I never bring my name into it. I always bring somebody else. I don't know, for whatever reason, I just show you know, swings or pool holes or, or trout, not myself, because I just don't see myself that way. Uh, he catch a lot of things that I did when I, when I play. I don't have to tell him, but, you know, for me, it's just humbling to even think that people see me that way. So I'm glad that I was able to uh, play long enough and be good enough to so people wanted to uh, follow my footsteps. Well, all of our Rangers fans are ecstatic. You are the 19th player in the history of baseball to get 95% or more votes for the Hall of Fame. Congratulations so much to you. So glad you're enjoying it, and we appreciate the time, good sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's still time. Hall of Famer Adrian Beltre. There's still time. How crazy is it that <laughs> time for what <laughs> to hit Kevin? To oh hit Kevin. my God! Yeah, he goes. We can make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> how crazy is it that he was like, "You're not going to have any more kids, right?" Probably not. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Is he goes? No, I still deflect to other to the Trouts, the Pujoses, and like I don't think of myself on that level. Like I said, nineteenth player 
ever yeah. to get 95% or more votes for the Hall of Fame. And, Mike, it does kind of sound like, – I'm glad you asked the question the way you did. It sounds like that was really a turning point for him in his career. Did you – I didn't know that, to be honest. I didn't – I knew that he was – I knew he was a serious player when I played against him. Yeah. And then it was different. And it wasn't like he was a goofball. It was that he could – he had this line that nobody could really play at where he could have that much fun playing but then be locked in at the plate, locked in on on defense. And, and I didn't know. I didn't know in Seattle he was – that's why I didn't think at the time when he came to the Rangers, like, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer yeah, or maybe, going to be a Hall of Famer. Maybe but that he was played the, his best here. The thing, too, that, like, he had set his standard of seriousness – and then the ability to be like, no, I'm also serious, but I can't have fun. Like you, as, as an opposing player, you just probably never knew which version you were going to get. And then it kind of threw you off a little bit. Maybe he was tricking you the whole time. I really liked his answer of, luckily Elvis stayed in Texas. Because <laughs> when you were like, do you think he might just pop up behind yeah, the man. couch? You could tell he had clearly at some point thought about that exact scenario. He had to scenario. look over the couch and be like, where is he? And just in case. It's, I, I just want to run down. I think we're going to kind of just end up flipping the uh, lunch, the expressway, and that's what we're in the midst of right now. I just wanted to run through some more amazing notes for you. Look, I get it. You make the Hall of Fame, that's incredible. But like we talked about with Micah Parsons a couple weeks ago, he goes, the Hall of Fame is cool. I want to be in the Hall of Fame of the Hall of Fame. Adrian Beltre is only the third former Texas Rangers player to ever make the Baseball Hall of Fame on his first year on the ballot. The only person who played here longer was Pudge among that group. So it goes Pudge, Beltre, Nolan Ryan. You're talking about like the other two the greats of the greats in terms of people love them, and now you have Adrian Beltre in the middle of that group. Brooks Robinson, Mike Schmidt, George Brett, Paul Molitor, Wade Boggs, and Chipper Jones. Those are the only first ballot third baseman You know what's weird? I don't think of Paul Molitor, I guess, because I got to start to know him at a later age. I don't remember like a DH him. or whatever. Yeah, I just don't remember him at all being a third baseman. So when you mentioned Paul Molitor at third base, I'm like, what are you talking about? Okay, so like even then you could yeah. say – Seventh, six and a half, however you choose it, and then 95.1% of the ballot. Last player to get above 95%, Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was 18, Adrian Beltre was 19, that get 95% wow. of the ballot. In the history of the Hall of Fame, he is the 59th player to make it in on the first ballot, ever in the history of baseball. I think the... Add this to the conversation because I was looking at uh, at um, Evan Grant his Twitter uh, this week, just kind of keeping an eye on things. Sure. And he mentioned Sheffield and how much of a pleasure it was to cover that player and how interacting with him for about three years, I think it was along those lines. He was just like it was it was great. That was a tr I'll treasure those memories. And Mike, I know when we talk about these these other players, sometimes we're like, why? Why not that guy and, and whatnot? And as great as their talents are, the guys that are voting are obviously their media members as well. They're vote they're voting for it. And I think that part of treating people kindly and with respect in the in the clubhouse is a huge factor. But you walk into that clubhouse, everybody in that room had that respect for yeah. him. And that's why, Kevin, when you bring up those nineteen names. Those are people that you think, oh man, like the whole league loved them. Everybody. Yes, and and this goes back to my favorite part was his on-field antics with opposing players. He's he's talking trash to to Felix Hernandez, 
at the plate. He's at the plate and he's talking trash to the pitcher that he's going up against. And the pitcher's not trying to hit him in the head. The pitcher's trying to strike him out because he has that kind of respect for him. And that's what we had here. I mean, and that was, that's, I think that's what filtered over to the fans so much. And when I talked to my kids, librarian was the biggest Adrian Beltre fan I ever knew. It, and that that was the, one of the reasons was because of the personality that came along with the player. If you don't like Hall of Fame voting now, I'm just going to throw this out for you just to consider for just a minute. So I told you when Adrian Beltre is on the all-time voting. I'm going to tell you the players ahead of him just to kind of like put it in perspective. By the way, same level of votes as Babe Ruth and Honus Wagner. So if you don't if you don't like baseball Hall of Fame voting, somebody just, did, nobody gave a hundred percent of the vote to, to Babe, Babe Ruth. Ruth. Right. The no. first, that was the he was in the first one Seems ever. Seems like they should have done that. Here are the people who got a higher percentage of votes than Adrian Beltre: Steve Carlton, Johnny Bench, Mike Schmidt, Chipper Jones, Greg Maddox, Randy Johnson, Tony Gwynn, Hank Aaron, George Brett, Ty Cobb, Cal Ripken Jr., Nolan Ryan. Tom Seaver, Ken Griffey Jr., Derek Jeter, and Mariano Rivera. Man, that, we're getting really soft lately, that's huh? <laughs> that's true. Mo got 100%, and Jeter only missed out on one vote, I believe. That's interesting because there's a lot of names there that I was waiting for that you didn't name. But to your point, you didn't name Ted Williams, right? Correct. I'm just wondering, to your point, Corey, was it screw that guy? Ted like, Williams was 93.4, which is still impressive, so. like, less than Beltre. Yeah, like in that way, like because we like Ted Williams, everybody will say he's one of the five greatest hitters of all time. Joe DiMaggio, yes. Lou Gehrig, like you weren't like Reggie Jackson, Stan Musial, Roberto Clemente, yeah, so Ozzie Smith, all Mickey Mantle, you said, right? All lower. So like it's, that. it's do, interesting that I, I'm kind of curious, Mike and, and Kevin, we have stories books about those guys those legends is there going to be that kind of same aura around adrian beltre whenever kids are going to the library because i know you brought that question up like kids growing up saying i want to be that and there's a, a contingent of kids in this area over the last 15 years that are in that range i think he's going to be 10 years and I, I i don't mean this to be negative at all i think he's going to be the chipper jones mike schmidt category where Nationally, everybody knows who you are. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's good. Yeah. But it's locally or, like, statewide where those stories take place. Like, you go anywhere in Pennsylvania, talk about Mike Schmidt, and everyone's like, oh, my God, Mike Schmidt's yeah. amazing. <laughs> like, you go a lot of places in Los Angeles or anywhere in Texas, I feel like people will be like, oh, my God, Adrian Beltre was the best, you know? And yeah. I, I think that's how it's okay. going to go. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm not trying to decelebrate. I'm just trying to not see like how far we go with him on that. But I, I totally get that locally. If he played in your area and he was great at that time, and it still does kind of, it still does kind of creep up on me that he didn't, you know, didn't get that, that one with. It us. is, it is weird to talk about how we just won the World Series, and I imagine that's still kind of a bittersweet prospect for people curious about Gary Sheffield. He's off the regular ballot. He will go to the historical overview committee. Which next meets in December of which used to be called the Veterans Committee. Yes, and now we got to fancy it up. That will next meet in December of 2025. So you're still looking at almost two years before the Veterans Committee, but not not as been as long as you would think. You'd think it'd He's, take like another 15 yeah. years or something. I mean, in a weird way, saying this for somebody locally like Darren Woodson, they're at least both young enough, Woodson and Sheffield, True. that in the next five to ten years, when they start getting voted on by veteran players that they have a chance yes that the writers didn't vote them in that the 
former players. I believe it's a former players list, I think. I'll, does it. Ch- I'll check on that. It might be that. 50-50. I do know a lot of – I do know that, like, the last time this happened last year, Bonds and Clemens were on the Veterans Committee list or right. whatever you just called it, and they didn't get in. So it did not – the riders didn't vote them in, and then, it like, guys like, I think, Greg Maddox get a vote. Yeah. And uh, it ended up that kind of the guys that have that – X on their name that we know are for Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds are the easiest ones. That's right. like for sure, like no doubt, best of their generation players that they didn't get in through this process. For the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we'll do a little Mike Likes It. Yeah, we're going to do a little Mike. I'd okay. Like you want me to tease? Go for it. I want to talk about David Murphy and him reminding me of a story how Adrian Beltre might have chose the Rangers. Cool. Next. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. Right now, it's time for some Mike Likes It. And if you missed it, we just had on Adrian Beltre. That's why we flipped up just a little bit. Hall of Famer Adrian Beltre. Now, you get Mike Likes It. All right. So, I'm going to talk about Adrian Beltre through the eyes of David Murphy. As actually, I just texted Murphy. He's like, dude, I'm in the clubhouse. They're about to do the press conference. Did you think about responding to him and saying, Really? Because we just had the person who's the source of this press conference on our show. He wasn't too busy. I also assume this. He's chilling with Ian Kensler and Michael probably, Young probably. and Colby Lewis and Darren Oliver. And he's like, Doesn't want to be left I'm, out. Yeah. I'm relaxing FOMO. with my guys right now. Yeah, I get it. Um, and then I'm going to talk about the Dallas Mavericks, their game tonight, and a possible trade that ESPN has put on their website uh, recently, like in the last hour or so. All right, so... I remember Murph telling me this story, so I'm going to try to tell it as well as I can through uh, Murph, is when they were in Boston in 2010, Adrian Beltre is playing third base, having a really good year. He was an all-star for for Boston, I believe, that year. And the Rangers were on that magical run that we couldn't believe. 2009, yes, they won 87 games, but 2010, we're like, are they really good enough to make the playoffs? Like, is this really going to happen? And as the season progressed, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is really going to happen. Well, that team was a younger team having a lot of fun. I don't want to say they were a, a, an older team. They weren't super young. But he remembers Murph at one point, the guys having fun in the dugout because something positive just happened for the team. And if you remember, the Rangers had claw and antlers back then. Yeah. My son actually asked. He had no clue what claw and antlers were the other day. Uh-huh. Because he was born in 2008. So he was like, what is claw and antlers? I don't get it. Right. And so I was like, well, that was a thing when the Rangers would do something big, get a double that would be a big RBI. The guy on second base would either give the claw or give antlers on top of their head. And so Murph was talking about, so that team, they had different kind of things they were doing. And back then, if you remember... Not many teams were doing things like that. Yeah. Now everybody, it's right. it's it's almost uncommon if a team doesn't have something that they do, whether it's prayer hands for Evan Carter, you know, it's Josh Young. I'm forgetting what he used to do this year. It might, it might have been a flex or something. Um, but Adrian Beltre noticed that. And when I heard Adrian Beltre's interview just a few minutes ago, I had no clue. I was asking because I don't remember playing against him and doing these things. I don't remember him playing against the Rangers 18 games a year in Seattle and doing those things, having fun. What 
like Corey was talking about his Felix Hernandez relationship, or it might have been Victor Martinez catching a certain night in Detroit, or whatever it was, there was he all of a sudden had this big personality on the field, and I don't remember him having personality in L.A. when I played against him, and then I didn't remember him having personality in Seattle right. watching him play against the Rangers, and he kind of let out of the bag there. He felt like he wasn't reaching his full potential because he was trying to be a very serious player when at times he wanted to really enjoy the game the way that he felt like it should be played. That answer was unbelievable and very, it felt very real. You know, yeah. you do get canned answers from people all the time. That was a real answer. And Murph said in that game at Fenway, he could see Beltre kept looking into their dugout, almost like, I want to be a part of that. That looks like something I want to be a part of. Now, it looked like he was going to choose the Angels because Scott Boris is an L.A. guy. It looked like that was all getting worked out. It fell through, and then he did, uh, you know, sign with the Texas Rangers. But it was interesting listening to Murph about this one moment that he can remember. He's like, I remember Beltre kept kind of peeking into our dugout and almost it felt like wanting to be a part of the energy that we had and the attitude that we had. And then the next year, he became part of that energy, part of that attitude. And we know that obviously wow. they got back to the World Series. But it's, it was a necessary like, piece, too, man. Yeah, it's like a cool moment that Murph can oh. remember when Beltre was on the other team. And he remembers Beltre looking into the dugout, almost like being of an envy of, I want to be part of that. That's super cool. Do you not believe he was a necessary piece? I, I just. I do. Okay, sorry. Uh, and when I say that. Michael Young is great of a teammate as he was. And I don't know if he'd have stayed at second base his whole career. Would he have been a Hall of Fame second base? That's baseman? a good I question. Know. I think there's a better chance. Yes. The, but the he wasn't a true third baseman. And, and I, I know the Rangers didn't win it, but that was what you were missing. You were missing a real Cliff Lee. There was a moment when I know he looked over and Michael Young is, had fumbled the ball and he was just like, oh. Yeah, and again, I don't blame Michael Young for that as much as like we just didn't have a true third baseman. You had a guy that said, "I'll do it because I'm a team guy," yeah. and then you bring Adrian Beltre in, and it's like you felt you had a legitimate stud at that at that spot. Maybe one of the best fielding third basemen we ever got to watch. Oh, and for I sure. got to watch Steve Bouchelle my whole you know, youth. I loved watching him play. I love Boo too, and it was amazing as a kid. But different level. I don't yeah. think you'll. I mean, I hope. I hope we do. I don't think in your lifetime you'll ever see a better defensive third baseman for the Texas Rangers. Okay. And, and also, don't you feel like if you if he was drinking in a bar with you and y'all walk into that dark alley, you're glad that he's on your side? Hell yeah. I, I, I just I just feel I was like, almost on the wrong side of that. <laughs> I just feel like he's that guy that you're yeah. just like, and I'm glad he's my teammate here. I think he would have like ten gold gloves if there wouldn't have been Scott Rowland. Like when he was with the Dodgers early on, I just Scott Rowland was just considered. Look, he's the best defensive third baseman. It was like I think Beltre second, and then over in the American League, just because it was of my time, so I can remember. Eric Chavez was an amazing defensive yes. third baseman for Oakland. So I think if I go back and look at Gold Gloves, I bet there were times where in Seattle he probably finished second a lot of times to Eric Chavez winning the third base Gold Glove. So it's like at times he was maybe the third best defensive third baseman in the game. And it's just Scott Rowland and, and Eric Chavez were guys that were racking up maybe the gold gloves that uh, you could argue he should have had. Okay, so Adrian Beltre, Hall of Famer, July 21st will be a big date uh, for the Texas Rangers and obviously for 
uh, Beltre. I want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks as they play tonight, and they play tonight on ABC. So the random Wednesday night ABC game now. So we will have to kind of let – I think for a lot of people who go, I can't watch my teams play and I'm not going to get Bally's. Well, tonight – You can. You don't have to worry about Bally's. The Mavericks are on ABC versus the Phoenix Suns, who have been playing very good basketball of late. They got off to a rough start. It didn't look like it was working out. And we talked about Kevin Durant yesterday. Kevin Durant's on a roll right now. He looks unstoppable. The Phoenix Suns are maybe, what you'd say, playing up to their preseason potential right now. And they didn't just have to fire their coach, so that's good. Yes. So right now, ESPN has an article up. And it has, for each Western Conference team, their trade meter and like what to watch, and then a potential trade to look for. Okay. So the Mavericks trade me- meter is five right Out of now. Ten or five? Well, just to give you an idea. I'm trying to find a team that it has to be out of 10 because the Warriors are at an eight. Okay. Okay. Well, I think I would put the Mavs at higher than that then. And I wonder this. It goes over. This is a very good article on ESPN. It goes over the assets that they have. And unfortunately, when it does go to trade assets and salary info and restrictions, the Ra- I mean the Rangers, the Mavericks just don't have much. Yeah. Now, it says here, trade we would like to see. It says it's hard to see Dallas getting in on Portland's Jeremy Grant unless it is willing to give up Prosper. Even if Prosper was included, the Mavericks would still need to trade Holmes, Williams, and Kleba to make the money work. Let's go with a smaller deal and send Rashawn Holmes and a 2026 second-round pick via Miami Heat to the Clippers for P.J. Tucker. Okay. First of all, would you do, my first question, would you do the first trade, Prosper, your first round pick, later first round pick, Rashawn Holmes, Grant Williams, Maxi Kleba for Jeremy Grant? I think so because it doesn't exactly fit with like maybe your number one goal, but it does hit your wing goal. So I I think I would. I like Jeremy Grant. I do too, but you just said the thing. Yeah. So what do, what else do I have left to go get my number one goal still? This feels like and, this is or, the move, and, right? But you just took away one of the guys that you're back up to your number one goal and Maxi Kleba. I know he's not like the the key to it, but like that takes away from the ability to it's your depth at, at that position is Holmes, Maxi, Derek Lively, and Dwight Powell, right? Like that's yeah. it. And you've taken – was that two of them that you took away on that? Well, Holmes doesn't play, but okay. I, you're really taking away – the other night yeah. against Boston, uh, why am I – Powell did not play. Maxi played the backup minute. So yeah. it was Derek Lively and Maxi Kleba played. So if you traded Maxi Kleba for Jeremy Grant, who can't play center at all, right. he's a wing. Grant Williams is your next guy. Is You would oh. then reinsert Dwight Powell into the game for 20 to 25 minutes a game. So – and it's it stinks to be stuck in – kind of feeling stuck in that spot where you're like yes i would love to add a player like jeremy grant you just don't think this is the route if that's going to cost you all your assets yeah, unless like what's the next what's the next move mike what like once you've done that 
you're stuck with that team, or do you think you can make another move? No, you can make another move because once you get to the offseason, you have way more expiring contracts. Now, I'm not opposed to this trade. If the Mavericks traded for Jeremy Grant, I would be excited about it. I don't think it takes them to another level this year. So I'd love y'all's opinion. I'd say, hey, the Mavericks got better. Are they better than right now? Denver, Oak City, Minnesota. I mean, unfortunately, they all have big guys. This is the issue with the Mavs is for the next five years, Derek Lively is going to play a vital role because you're going to have to go against Jokic. Michael Porter Jr. is out there at six foot ten as their three, as their as one of their wings, and then they throw a very athletic, physical uh, Gordon at you at kind of power forward at six foot nine. So this is a league, and then Minnesota is a very big team. This is a league of now very big teams. So playing small ball is almost impossible very for the big Mavs. With a lot but, of skill too. That's true. Can my answer to that question be? No, but we still got better. Like, I don't yes. think it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, okay. I agree with that. Because that's what I think. Will is, that pay off in the playoffs? Okay. I mean, being better is cool and everything. That, and that's complex. Regular season doesn't matter anymore. That's a complicated to answer. It's still, well, it might still kind of matter for the Mavericks. That's complicated because I think it gives you a significantly better shot to get to the second round. But I think your quest ends right there. And if you're like, all right, well, making this move, I know my quest still ends in this or think it still ends in the second round because I don't see this move. If it's not in cooperation with something else, which it probably wouldn't be putting you over yeah. OKC, Minnesota, Denver, anything and like that. It'd have to be shockingly dramatic for me to think that. I feel like PJ Tucker is four years out of his prime. He's not a bad player, right? But it's just at this point, I don't. Like the Clippers, the Clippers look like they could win it all. Literally, it's all come together for them lately. I don't know if they're going to stay healthy. They never do, but it's all coming together for them. So they're giving you PJ Tucker. So a team that's better than you in your conference that yeah. you might play in the first round of the playoffs is they're saying, like, "Go for it." You can have PJ Tucker for nothing, literally yeah. nothing, because they would not play Rashawn Holmes on their team, and they would get a second round pick in 2026 via the Miami Heat. That's nothing. You're giving him to the Dallas Mavericks. So if a team you're competing with for playoff positioning, possibly a first-round matchup, you're saying you can have P.J. Tucker to try to slow down Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or James Harden, they're telling you he can't play anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like no, I, that's not – I'm not particularly yeah, interested nothing, in I, So I don't care to do this. So here's the issue with the Mavs. If you want to see what they unfortunately have to trade, okay – I think this is boring but very valuable information. Dallas is $3.6 million below the luxury tax. The Mavs are $8.5 million below the first apron and cannot exceed the threshold there. So they can't really add much extra salary at all in a trade. Next, Doncic and Irving have 15% trade bonuses. They're not getting traded. Yeah. Move on. Morris has a one-year bird restriction and can veto any trade. So I don't know if he would be added in a trade, but you would have to get permission from him to go somewhere else. And then Josh Green is pretty much untradeable. Josh Green has a poison pill restriction. For trade purposes, $4.7 million is used as an outgoing salary, and then he would cost $11.4 million in incoming salary for an acquire, for an acquiring team. Ooh. So it's almost impossible. So Josh Green cannot be traded Josh Green. Yeah. right now. He can be traded in the offseason, but not now. The Mavericks do not have any expiring contracts worth anything. Everybody that you want to trade is kind of on a two-year or three-year deal. So in the offseason, you have a lot more assets. Tim Hardaway Jr. becomes a better asset. Rashawn Holmes becomes a better asset. 
there's a couple other guys that can become better assets. Obviously, Josh Green becomes a possible asset again that you can't trade right now. So when you start looking at it, draft assets real quick. The pick is owed to the New York Knicks either this year or next year, so you don't have that. They're only allowed to trade a 2026 or 2027 first-round pick. Not both of them, either or. They cannot trade 28. They've already traded 29 unprotected to the Nets for Kyrie Irving. They can swap picks. So if you wanted to trade your 2026 first-round pick, you can then swap pick a 27 or 28 pick. And then... The Spurs have the right to swap first in 2030. I didn't even know that. So we made a trade. I don't know when we made a trade, but in 2030, if the Mavs have the first overall pick in the draft and the Spurs have the 10th pick, we go to 10 and they go to one. They're going to be dominant by then. So like you're in, you're in that, like when you start looking at other teams, the Mavericks are very limited. That's why I don't think they're going to make a trade uh, at the deadline on February 8th. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.